But a remarkable prophecy was given to Daniel in Daniel 9, verses 26 and 27. Its purpose is to throw light on the extraordinary struggle between good and evil destined to convulse the world before the return of Christ to rule in his kingdom. Daniel 9, verse 26, speaks of the Messiah being cut off, a reference which has generally been taken to mean Jesus' death for the sins of the world. Isaiah 53, verse 8, likewise speaks of the suffering Messiah being cut off from the land of life. The meaning is apparently that Jesus was put to death and thus deprived of life in the land of promise, Israel. By being cut off, Jesus did not receive his kingdom, the inheritance of the Messiah. The prophecy reads that he will have nothing, as we read in the New American Standard Version. The Kyle Commentary on Daniel, page 362, understands this to mean that as a result of Jesus' death, he did not immediately possess what belonged to the Messiah, that is, the kingdom. An evil prince who is to come. There's a change of subject in the second statement made in Daniel 9, verse 26. A prince who is to come is introduced in connection with the overthrow and compare with that the same Hebrew word used of the destruction of Sodom in Genesis 19, verse 13 and following, the destruction of the city and the sanctuary. The order of the words in Hebrew is important. The city and the sanctuary will be destroyed by the prince who is to come. Kyle, in his commentary on Daniel, page 362, points out that the word coming is associated in Daniel with a hostile invasion. In Daniel 1, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar comes to besiege Jerusalem. In Daniel 11, verses 10, 13, and 15, forces of the king of the north keep on coming as we read in the New American Standard Version, and they cast up a siege mound and capture a well-fortified city. In the case of the prince who is to come, however, the idea is that he's a personage whose arrival to destroy the city is well known. Such a hostile invader has already appeared in Daniel chapters 7 and 8. As Kyle says, it is natural that we should think of the Antichrist. His end will come. The New American Standard Version translates the next phrase, its end will come with a flood. The sense would be that the city will be overwhelmed. A much more natural and correct translation, however, is supplied by the New American Standard Version margin, and persuasively argued by Kyle, who says, in the following clause, and his end will come with the flood, the suffix his refers simply to the hostile prince. 
whose end is here emphatically described in contrast to his coming. That's from Carl's commentary on page 363. Why is this an important point of interpretation? Those who find here a reference to Titus, destroying Jerusalem in AD 70, cannot apply the suffix his to the hostile invader. The fact is that Titus did not come to his end in the war on Jerusalem. There are compelling reasons, therefore, to agree with Kyle's translation. The word order of the preceding sentence, the city and the sanctuary will be destroyed by the prince who is destined to come, leaves the prince as the last idea. In the words immediately following, his or its end refers most naturally to the prince just mentioned. The evil prince in this prophecy comes to his end. Compare with that Daniel 11 verse 45, where the Antichrist, the king of the north, comes to his end. The prince's end is said to be in the flood. What events are described here? Not the invasion by Titus in AD 70, because Titus did not come to his end at the time of that invasion. Since interpreters have wished to find Titus and the events of AD 70 here, they have avoided the translation, his end. As Kyle rightly says, preconceived views as to the historical interpretation of the prophecy lie at the foundation of all other translations than his end. A reference to the end of the city or the sanctuary is very forced because city is feminine in Hebrew and a different ending would be needed for the word end. A reference to the sanctuary only is awkward because city and sanctuary are mentioned together. And so Kyle concludes rightly, there remains nothing else than to apply the suffix his to the prince. The word end can accordingly only denote the destruction of the prince. That's from Carr's commentary on page 363. Titus in AD 70, therefore, cannot possibly be meant. What is the flood in which the invader comes to his end? The definite article indicates that a well-known overflowing is in mind. Flood is elsewhere used as the symbol of an overwhelming divine judgment. For example, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 8, the invasion of Judah by the king of Assyria will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass through. In Nahum chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord, with an overflowing flood, will make a complete end of Nineveh's sight and pursue his enemies into darkness. Daniel informs us that Antichrist's end will come in the flood of God's end-time judgment. We are presented in this prophecy with a prince who is to come, 
who will find his destruction in the flood. Daniel 11 verse 45 describes the destruction of the final king of the north who will come to his end just before the resurrection, as we read in Daniel 12 verse 2. Verse 26 contains yet another piece of information. And until the end, there will be war. The end referred to here is simply the end of the period in progress. As Kyle says rightly, the meaning is that war will continue to the end of the 70th week or period of seven years. Trouble is to be expected until the completion of the final week or period of seven years. Desolation is decreed. Our verse ends with an additional comment on the nature of the judgment. Desolation is divinely decreed as punishment. A comparison with three other passages is illuminating. In Daniel 11 verse 36, the end of the career of the final king of the north is inevitable. We read, what is decreed will take place. Further light on the decreed punishment of the invader of Israel at the end of the age is supplied by Isaiah chapter 10 verse 23, where we read, for a complete destruction, one that is decreed, the Lord God of hosts will execute in the midst of the whole land. For this reason, Israel should not fear, should not fear, that is, the Assyrian who strikes you with the rod. Isaiah 10, verse 24. In a very little while, Isaiah goes on to say, My indignation against you, Israel, will be spent and my anger will be directed to their, that's to say, Assyria's destruction. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 25. There's another reference to the decreed punishment of God's and Israel's enemy of the end time. In Isaiah 28, verse 17b and following, we read, The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters, compare the word flood, will overthrow the secret place, and your, that's to say, Israel's covenant with death will be cancelled. Then, in verses 21 and 22, the Lord will rise up to perform his unusual task and to work his work, his extraordinary work. For I've heard from the Lord God of hosts of a decisive destruction on all the earth. Again, the words are reminiscent of Daniel 9, verse 26. There's coming a decisive annihilation of Satan's final tool to destroy Israel. The city and sanctuary will indeed be overthrown by the coming invader. War will be a feature of the last week or period of seven years. Yet the peace of God's kingdom will follow when Christ returns to destroy the Antichrist, to resurrect the dead, and grant the kingdom to the faithful, 
as we read in Luke chapter 22, verses 28 to 30, Matthew 19, verse 28, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2, and 2 Timothy 2, verse 12. Also, Revelation 2, verses 26 and 27, Revelation 3, verse 21, Revelation 5, verse 10, and Revelation 20, verses 4 to 6. Just before that time, desolations are irrevocably determined by God. So says Kyle in his commentary on Daniel, page 365. A summary of Daniel 9, verse 26. We can summarize the announcement provided by Daniel 9, verse 26, with the following translation based on the Hebrew and in conjunction with Kyle's exegesis in his commentary on Daniel, page 373. After the 62 weeks, or periods of seven years, the Messiah will be cut off so that he does not have the kingdom which belongs to him, and the city, together with the sanctuary, will be destroyed by the people of a prince who will come, who shall come to his end, in the flood. War will continue to the end of the 70th week, that is, the 70th period of seven years, since destruction is irrevocably decreed. Daniel 9, verse 27. We proceed now to verse 27, which completes the prophecy, supplying further detail about the events of the 70th week. Verse 27 opens with a statement about the prince just mentioned. He will confirm a covenant. The compelling reason for making the prince of verse 26 the subject of the sentence is given by Kyle, who says, The connection indicates that the prince is the subject of the verb will confirm, since the prince was to come, is named last, and is also the subject in the suffix of his end, the last clause of verse 26, having only the significance of an explanatory subordinate clause. That's from Kyle's commentary on page 366. Professor Kyle makes three other points. Number one, the taking away of the daily sacrifice combines itself in a natural way with the destruction, verse 26, of the city and the temple brought about by the coming prince. Number two, the one represented as causing the sacrifice and oblation to cease is obviously identical with him who changes the times and usages of worship, as in Daniel 7, verse 25. The reference of he shall confirm to the ungodly leader of an enemy is therefore, according to the context and the parallel passages of this book which have been mentioned, as well as in harmony with the natural grammatical arrangement of the passage, but by the word prince, Titus cannot naturally be understood. 
Why? Because Titus did not die in the events of AD 70. The prince imposes a covenant on the great mass of the people, in contrast with the few who remain faithful. The contract forced on the majority by the evil prince reminds us of Matthew 24, verse 12, the love of the many grows cold. Stopping the sacrifices. The next clause gives us information about the second half of the final week or period of seven years. Kyle argues that the proper translation is, he will cause the sacrifice and grain offering, that's to say the bloody and unbloody sacrifice, to cease for half the week. Associated with this interruption of the temple service, the prince comes desolating on the wings of abomination. Just as the true God bowed the heavens and came down with thick darkness under his feet, and he rode on a cherub and flew on the wings of the wind, Psalm 18, verse 9. So here, the wicked prince is seen desolating, borne upon the wings of abominable things. Kyle cites the interpretation of another German commentator. The powerful heathen enemy of God is here conceived of as carried upon the wings of the idol abomination, just as the god of the theocracy is born on the wings of the clouds and on cherubim, who are his servants. Compare with that Psalm 18, verse 9 and verse 10, and Psalm 104, verse 3. The picture suggests a counterfeit parousia, or second coming, staged by the power of Satan. Paul reflects the same idea in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9, where Antichrist's parousia is in accordance with the energy of Satan. The final sentence of Daniel's prophecy tells us that this desolating rule of the wicked prince will continue until the end and the decreed judgment of God will pour down on the desolator. The verb pour down once again suggests the flood of verse 26 in which the wicked prince comes to his end. Since no flood of judgment fell on Titus in AD 70, the reference to this whole passage must be to the future Antichrist and his temporary reign at the end of this age. Summary. It will be appropriate to state again the message of Daniel 9, verses 26 and 27, with reference to Kyle's most helpful translation. After the 62 weeks, or periods of seven years, the Messiah will be cut off so that he does not have the kingdom which belongs to him. And the city, together with the sanctuary, will be destroyed by the people of a prince who will come, who shall come to his end in the flood. War will continue to the end 
of the 70th week, that is, since desolation is irrevocably decreed, and he, as to say the evil prince, will impose a covenant on the many for one week. And during half of the week, he will cause the service of sacrifice to stop, and, born on the wings of idle abominations, he will carry on a desolating rule. And this will go on until the end, when the firmly decreed judgment will be poured out on him as one desolated. As from Kyle's commentary on Daniel, page 373. Jesus was most interested in this prophecy of Daniel. He referred to the abomination of desolation as a key feature of the time just prior to his return. In Matthew 24, verse 15, the appearance of the abomination of desolation in the temple is the cue for believers in Judea to flee to the mountains. I note that Jesus did not expect them to be removed from the earth by an imagined pre-tribulation rapture, which is not a biblical doctrine. The expression used by Jesus corresponds most closely to Daniel's other references to the abomination of desolation in Daniel 11 verse 31 and Daniel 12 verse 11. The first passage tells us that the final king of the north will send forces against the sanctuary fortress, do away with the regular sacrifice, and set up the desolating abomination. The connection with Daniel 9, verse 27, is clear. The evil prince comes desolating on the wings of an idle abomination, and in Daniel 11, verse 31, a desolating abomination is placed in the temple. This could be the Antichrist himself. Mark, in chapter 13, uses a masculine participle to describe the abomination. That's to say, Mark 13, verse 14, speaks of the wicked person standing where he ought not to be, strongly suggesting a human person in the temple. The abomination of desolation will trigger the time of suffering which Jesus calls the Great Tribulation. Matthew 24, verses 15 and 21. Immediately after that tribulation, Jesus will appear in glory. Matthew 24, verse 29. It is important to note that these are not events already past. Jesus obviously did not reappear immediately after the tribulation of A.D. 70. 1290 days or three and a half years. Daniel 12 verse 11 completes the network of prophetic information about the abomination. From the moment when the abomination of desolation is set up in the temple, a period of 1290 days will elapse. This appears to be slightly longer than the time, times, and half a time of chapter 7. 
This period takes us to the end of these amazing wonders, as we read in Daniel 12, verse 6. All the prophetic events will be complete 1290 days after the appearance of the abomination and the cessation of sacrifice. The time for the resurrection and the kingdom of God on earth will have arrived.